This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. Join me and Lily as we spend a day on the frozen Ottawa River in celebration of her 16th birthday. Our guide, Yannick Loranger, introduces us to the Ottawa River's many fishing opportunities and invites us to use one of his glamping ice shacks. The day includes a visit from a group I'm working with at the St. Lawrence River Institute for Environmental Science. Lily's kept busy giving everybody snowmobile rides. And a warning, a bull makes it onto the ice, but it doesn't end well. After all that, we finally managed to find some time to do some fishing. Time for the bucket list. Here we are on the frozen river in a town called Rockland, about 40 kilometers east of Ottawa. As we traveled east along Highway 17, we could see lots of open water on the Ottawa River. Where we are here, the river's quite wide. We're in a bay, but it almost seems like a lake. The river's frozen all the way across to the north shore, Quebec. Meet Yannick Loranger, owner of Ottawa River Guided Fishing and five really cool glamping ice shacks. Well, my name is Yannick Loranger and I run Ottawa River Guided Fishing. So in the summertime, I run a fishing charter, but in the winter, I rent out uh, ice bungalows. So I own uh, five overnight ice bungalows, which are just basically luxury ice huts. So there's satellite TV and a kitchenette and bunk beds and holes inside your hut. And uh, they're designed for overnight stays, but we do have a good number of uh, day renters that come in as well. And uh, we're right here in Rockland, pretty close to most amenities. So that makes it convenient in that sense, where if you need groceries or you want to go to the restaurant for dinner, everything's really close. And They still deliver pizza out here? They deliver pizza right to the beginning of the ice road. So they won't come out to the ice, but they'll come awfully close. you got a generator going. You can yep. hear that. Yeah, so the generator runs the satellite TV. We have Shaw Satellite out here with all the sports channels and uh, Discovery Channel and all that fun stuff. So so Saturday night, you're out here watching the hockey game. You're enjoying some ice fishing. You're enjoying the heat of the propane furnace that runs off a thermostat. So you don't have to stoke a fire and then you're too hot and not hot enough. And uh, You can fish right in the hut. You can fish right in the hut. Uh, we're outside on the ice because it's yeah. a beautiful day. Like I think it's plus two or plus yeah. three today. Yeah, today is the nicest day we've had out here all year. It seems like it's either uh, 35 below or it's a blizzard out here every day. But no, today is perfect. You picked the perfect day to be out here. Oh, yeah. And there's no wind. No, yeah, that's another uh, rare thing out here. So that's uh, perfect. So why do you set up on this spot on the Ottawa River? I mean, the Ottawa River is mm-hmm. over 1,300 kilometers long. Yeah. I know you live in Rockland, so yeah. that has something to do with it. But you, yeah. you, you picked this specific spot. Tell us why. Uh, for a few reasons. The, the fishing is generally decent. Uh, it's easy access. Um, and yeah, I live in Rockland, so I want to be close to these huts because there is a lot of potential issues. So I want to be close if anything uh, does come up. Uh, and then like it's it's a service so I want to be nearby in case you know people run out of propane or just so I can check up on guys make sure they have enough bait and enough enough propane enough you know they're having a good time and, uh, and I can fish a little bit too so when on days when the fishing isn't great I'll come out here and fish myself and try to figure out a hot pattern for the 
for the renters. So uh, it's practical and the fishing's decent. And what have you been catching out here this winter so far? Uh, in the daytime, we catch a lot of walleye and sauger. And then uh, at night, uh, ling are the most common catch. Uh, we do catch a good number of uh, sturgeon accidentally, of course. Sturgeon season is closed here all year, but they are relatively common. And then uh, we get everybody's favorite, the famed mud puppy. But uh, <laughs> we try to avoid those, but uh, some nights... Uh, there's a few more mud puppies than I would like, but it seems like every every time we come out here, we're good for a few fish. The mud puppies are like salamanders with mm-hmm. gills. Yeah, they're a weird creature. They're half amphibian, half reptile. Uh, I'm not sure what they are. They're just, to me, they must just be like a big gummy bear for big walleye and, and musky though, right? They have oh, no yeah. defenses. They're just a slimy... Yeah, yeah slimy. Meat, a meat stick, but they, they walk on the bottom, right? They're not real swimmers, are they? They don't. I don't think they swim real well. We'll see them on the flasher sometimes coming up a little bit, so they must be to swim to a certain degree but uh, yeah no i think for the most part they just crawl on the bottom no one's eating those no i hope not maybe <laughs> not that i know of you know I, I caught one once and i unhooked it i just put it down on the ice and it just walked over to the hole and, yep. and, and, and jumped in the hole and swam away yeah and that's a lot of kids enjoy seeing the mud puppies in the huts so yeah at night when people catch one i just tell them to yeah let them walk around the hut for a little bit and they can be uh, the kid's pet you can show them tricks and all kinds of stuff but uh, yeah no they seem yeah they seem to always find their way back into the hole oh yeah they're very uh they're smart little bottom dwelling critters for sure people are more and more they like the idea of sleeping out here don't they oh yeah absolutely and because these are little residences you can do whatever you do at home so again saturday night you're having a few beers and watching the hockey game you're allowed to do that because uh these these huts are considered residents because there's beds in the kitchen and the bathroom facility so yeah i got a lot of my clientele want to come out here spend a night or two or three and uh just enjoy the experience. And the bathroom, just for clarification, the bathroom facilities is a Johnny on the spot, strategically positioned. And you got some spotlights on the outside of these huts at yep. night too. So everything's lit up like there's no shortage of light. I, I love it. Yeah, it's a really surreal experience when you're out here uh, alone at night. It's uh, it's something else. It's something everyone should experience, I think. So we've got all our lines in. They're set up on little beepers and tip-ups and mm-hmm. balance beams and <laughs> all sorts of devices to alert us to the bite of the walleye. Mm-hmm. So let's, we'll see what happens. Hi, I'm Yannick from the St. Lawrence River Institute. And I'm Emily from St. Lawrence River Institute. And we're here today to learn a little bit about ice fishing with Lawrence and to get some photographs. So Stephanie Hildebrand from the St. Lawrence River Institute is also here and she's our photographer today. And she's gonna get some good shots of ice fishing. And, and what's Stephanie getting a picture of right now? cow <laughs> not fish and where is this cow it's in the middle of the middle of the lake it's um well, it, it escaped from a farm but there's so many farms on the other side of the river we're not sure which farm it came from so it's just basically wandering along the frozen river we're not sure who to report this to but uh that cow has a very limited shelf life if it doesn't get back to land soon Oh, so now there's someone who's getting quite a bit closer, and the cow seems to be uh, heading back towards the Quebec, so, the Quebec side. So someone's herding it back. I think so. Oh, it's turning around and going towards them now. Uh oh. But it's not Steph or Lily, so that's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, and the cow turned around? Yeah, he's now facing them. It doesn't want to go home. I don't think it wants to. I don't know if it knows where it is. Oh boy. Okay, this is this this is going to be a story that's going to be unfolding for the next little while here. Well, we're ice fishing and we can see it all because it's wide open. We're on the frozen ice. Lewis, what are you thinking? Huh? What? What? What do you want to do? You want to run free? Yeah. Want to play with the other dogs? Huh? All the dogs are here. 
Okay, what's happening with the cow? Someone got really close to the cow trying to, I think, trying to get a hold of him and the cow just charged right at him and he looks at, like, it looks like the cow just fell. I don't know if he fell. Is, did the ice give Emily or? But he just fell. It, um, the person got back up. The person seems okay. Yeah. Thankfully. Um, the cow is back up now and walking towards the Ottawa side of the shore. Back to Ontario. Yeah. I, I think it's a bull. You, you call it a cow, but it's Gosh, cows. Charged. Cows don't normally charge people. You're on the middle of the frozen ice, and a cow charges. Where do you run? Yeah, where do you run? Like, <laughs> you just run. you just hope you're faster than the cow. <laughs> yeah, sure. And in this case, they both fell down. The cow fell down chasing the human who fell down being chased, but the human got up and ran faster than the cow. Breaking news with this cow saga. So uh, one gentleman went to try to wrangle the cow. I guess she charged them. So now the cow is near the guy's ice hut. The guy is where the cow was, and I think he's trying to get back to his hut, but now he can't because now the cow is between him and the hut. He has to find a way to get around that cow to get to his the protection yeah. of his shack. Yeah, exactly. So the saga continues here. Uh, I'm Stephanie Hildebrand. I work for the River Institute. I do uh, visual communications and photography. So Lily just took you out there to the cow on the snowmobile, and you got a picture. Describe that one picture to me. So there's a bull in the middle of the, the river and there's a man coming towards it calling the, the bull and you can see the bull was kind of you know, listening to him and then they slowly were coming towards each other and eventually the bull started charging and so the photo you see kind of like the, the man overlapping the bull kind of and he's just trying to get out of the way. So the guy who's calling the, the cow or the, the bull and after being charged he fell on the ground and I think he decided okay I'm gonna I'm gonna step away for a minute because it looked kind of dangerous and then you could see he was on the phone calling to somebody um, and then the bull was walking away and you could see maybe he was uh, going through the ice a little bit. He was falling, either he injured himself or he, his legs were going through the, the ice. Okay, so the, the bull might be in thin ice situation now. Perhaps. Yeah. But he, th it looks, he looks like he's on a... He's on solid ice now. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Okay, you guys, if you don't want to find out what happens to this cow, this is maybe where you want to skip ahead. Lily, you were out to see the cow, what happened? Oh man, there was a guy there and uh, he was, I thought he was a policeman or an animal control, but he was just there trying to get the cow to the shore, but he wasn't. So I went over and talked to him. I was like, okay, are you hurt? And he said, no, cause he got, um, he almost got ran over by the cow. It, yeah. it ran at him. Yeah. So obviously he called someone because I could see him flagging people down with his yellow coat. And then like three snowmobiles came with maybe like five guys and they shot the cow and then dragged it to back to where it came from. Oh, he said no. laboratoire, but that could oh, be... Oh, maybe that's... Lo it's a, that's a slaughter facility. It's about 8.45 p.m. Uh, generator's still going over there. Everyone's in their huts. It's been snowing like crazy. All my gear's covered in about an inch and a half of snow. My hood, my pants, I'm still sitting here on the chair. And I just finally had my first bite. I've got a minnow down there about 30 feet, 10 meters down. It's a little quarter ounce tungsten weight on a number six uh, single J hook with about a two and a half inch, five centimeter minnow. Just hooked lightly through the lips. 
And uh, I think a lingcod just came and gently lifted my minnow off the hook. I felt the line come up just slightly off the bottom. It, it just, I lost the contact with the bottom and then, and then it was gone. And I lift it up and normally when I lift up, I can feel two things. I can feel, if I lift it up and drop it really fast, I can feel it, boom, boom. And one is the, the weight and the other one is the minnow on the end of my hook. I can feel a bump at the end of my line as the two sort of tighten up the line, not in unison, but slightly out of sync with each other. And without, with the minnow gone, it's just a light bump. I reeled in, sure enough, the minnow was gone. So I put a new minnow on, I'm back down there again. Let's see if this is gonna work. Hopefully the fish have arrived. It's not cold out, it's maybe minus two, minus three. But Lewis sees some people walking around over there. He's lying there beside me. He's covered in snow too, but he hasn't complained for about an hour, you know? But now he's, he's seeing some action over there and I think there might be another dog and he wants to go play with it. <laughs> Stay here with me, buddy. Well, here we are. We're all in the truck heading back to Ottawa. It's been eight hours on the ice. Lily, yeah. how are you? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, did you have a good day? Yeah. What, what were your favorite parts of the day? Uh, I really like snowmobiling. Yeah, you're a good snowmobiler. You're really good at it. Yeah, you're yeah. confident. You've always been confident on that machine. <laughs> I really liked it, and I got to spend a lot of time on it today, so it was fun, uh, you know, practicing. <laughs> I can turn really fast now, so. And taking Lucy for rides, your best friend, one of your best friends? She, yeah. She must have been impressed with your driving skills. I taught her how to drive. You did? Yeah, well, it's not hard. And, and what about getting stuck? Oh my god, we were stuck. <laughs> and who were those boys that came to your rescue? They didn't come to our rescue. We pulled ourselves out. <laughs> the first time. But then you went back and got stuck again. We're not going to talk about that. What else did you like about today? It was warm. For the coldest month of the year, today was pretty warm. It was nice. Yeah. It was nice. It's snowing like crazy now, though. Mm -hmm. But it was a really nice day. Yeah. It was a perfect day to go out. So. What were some of the things maybe you didn't like so much about today? I didn't like seeing the cow get shot. Oh my goodness. That was crazy. I've oh. never like I've never seen anything like it. A cow wandered onto the ice and it escaped a slaughterhouse and then they came and shot it right there on the spot. Right there. And you and you and Theo went over there to photograph the cow not knowing that yeah. these people were going to come over and shoot it. I thought it was like a dairy cow or something, but no, no. it was from a slaughterhouse. Yeah. This poor cow. It, it was in line to get it slaughtered. Was, but it, and it ran away. Yeah, it escaped. It ran away. Ran for its life. It was, almost got there, too. Uh, but it didn't seem to be doing so well, eh? I mean, it seemed to be tripping and falling down. Well, it's the ice. It was slippery, and they have hooves. Yeah. It's completed its mission in life, I guess. It was depressing. Yeah. Anything else bother you about today? The gross-smelling cabin. <laughs> it's a it's an ice fishing shack. They smell bad. Yeah, that's, that's it life. smells bad. <laughs> they do, and that's that's his oldest one. He's had that for years, so it's had a lot of wear and tear, a lot of people in and out, a lot of fish heads, a lot of fish guts. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> that was a long day. A lot of fresh air. Good day. Are you looking forward to getting your driver's license? I wouldn't be spending days upon days of my weekend in a little classroom for nothing so <laughs> are you gonna drive me around no 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 i'm not buying your car you never would be anyway <laughs> maybe i'll buy your car if you drive me around <laughs> you wouldn't do that <laughs>
How do you know? Because I, I've asked you before. <laughs> well, do we think we need three cars? We we have one driver now, and we have two vehicles. Do we need three vehicles and two drivers? Listen, I, I'm willing to sacrifice the minivan. You, you I'm want, willing to put it on the chopping block. You want to drive my truck around. That's what you want to do. I, well, I sure don't want to drive around the minivan. So you'd rather drive the truck? Yeah. Not in your life. Well, maybe if we go fishing. Mm. <laughs> or camping. Yeah, as if mom would let me park the trailer. All in due time. You're going to work your way up. Uh, we'll see. Lily, what was it like driving on those uh, ice roads? Most of the roads were really nice and like already set trails, but uh, <laughs> there was some bits that were um, frozen tire tracks from cars. Like ruts. I was driving on those and I didn't even realize because it, you know, it was snow. Yeah, it was totally uneven. We almost like flipped a bit. You did, eh? Yeah, yeah. But it—I mean, it wasn't—it wasn't crazy dangerous. We figured it out. It wasn't that big a deal. But it wasn't—it wasn't pleasant to drive on. But I heard you going fast a few times. Yeah. How fast? Uh. Did you look? No. <laughs> the speedometer? No. No, eh? I don't look at the speedometer. Was no point. You just go faster. You just—you were curious how fast you're going? No. It just went fast, and yeah. I was like, yay. There was, like, buckets of salted minnows that people were using as bait, and Lewis was going around to people's, like, fishing holes and shoving his face in the... In the buckets? Stealing the minnows? Yeah, yeah. Mom had to call him back because he was, like, running away stealing people's fish. I know Yannick doesn't like to waste, so the minnows die in the bucket. He puts them on salt, and then we use them salted, and they seem to work just as well sometimes, so... Waste not want not, but I, <laughs> I hope that doesn't affect this diet. Big salty minnow sticks. Mmm, yum, Lewis. Kind of like a potato chip, I guess. Holy minnow flavored. <laughs> Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left. One hundred twenty-two meters. One of the electronic bite alarm systems I was using out on the ice is a combination of a carp bite alarm system for carp fishing. You can buy these anywhere on the internet and an ice fishing rod holder that I combined into one sort of wooden platform. So the rod, maybe about 70 centimeters long, 100 centimeters long, not much more than that, sits in the cradle. And then the line of the rod passes through the little bite alarm, which is the size of 15 centimeters by 7 centimeters. And then the line rests in a groove on the top. And I'm just going to turn this on here. So hang on. Okay, it's on. And I'm going to slide some fishing line through the groove so you can hear it. You can change the volume, the tone, the sensitivity. It's got all these levels uh, adjustments. They're all little dials. Many different manufacturers make these all different sizes and shapes, anywhere from $25 all the way up to $100 if you want the wireless ones. But this is a pretty basic one, and it's been working well for me for years. I use it for carp fishing, but I've adapted it also now for ice fishing, and I love it. I can just put my ice fishing rod down anytime and just set it in that cradle. It'll tell me right away I got a bite. I don't have to see the tip moving around on the fishing rod. Or I can set it up as a, a second fishing rod and then use a first fishing rod to jig more actively using my hands. So I'll jig and attract the fish over because they see the movement in the water. And then maybe if they're not interested in tackling something that's moving so vigorously, they'll see my little minnow or worm just lying over maybe three or four feet away. And they'll go over and eat that and set off my bite alarm. Here's another device I like to use 
on my tip-ups. Now, a tip-up is a self-contained ice fishing mechanism that you set over top of a hole, maybe positioned a little bit further away from where you are. So when you're ice fishing, you're normally allowed to fish with two lines or maybe even as many as five, depending on what province you're in. A tip-up has a flag. You lower the line with the bait down into the hole. You bend the flag pole over. It's on a spring and it locks into a little clip. Now, when the spool turns, when a fish bites your lure and turns the spool as it's pulling line off, that clip releases the flag. The flag pops up and anyone who's watching can see they now have a fish. Now, if you're inside an ice fishing hut and you don't have direct observation of your tip-up, that's a problem. So this man in the United States, he developed a system called Blue Tips. It's blue like the color and T-I-P-Z for tips. It's a cigarette lighter, kind of a Bic lighter type device, about that size. It clips to the flag and it's got a simple on-off switch, a slide switch, and it's waterproof. It's pretty rugged. I put a little braille on there so I always remember which is off and which is on. And then it's got a receiver that's about the size of a deck of cards and it's got one sort of button, a soft button that you hold and depress. I'll hold it down now, so turn it on. So it beeps, so that lets me know it's now on in the, in the receiving mode. I'm gonna put the uh, transmitter in the horizontal position as if it was on the flag, and I'm gonna turn that on, sliding that switch over. So there's no indicator, but I know from the switch itself that it's in the on position. Now let's say I'm sitting in the hut, jigging through the hole in the floor, and the flag goes off, then goes to the vertical position. Aha, uh -huh, I've got a fish. I have to run out there, reset this flag after I catch the fish, and this will eventually stop beeping, but I can also turn it off, and I know when it's off, I'll hold the button down. So three short beeps lets me know I've turned off the receiver, and like I said, the transmitter is just an on-off switch. It's a slide, so I know when that's off. Very nice little device, not too expensive, and a lot of fun. Everyone loves this thing. I've got actually three transmitters. I can use them all with the one receiver. Other electronics we use on the ice, a lot of anglers like to use sonar now. We'll drill a third hole between the two holes we're actively fishing and uh, put the screen on the ice and you can see the actual shape of the fish. Not the, what it looks like, but you can see a line on the screen that denotes a fish as it comes over and you can see your lure as a dot on the screen. You can actually see the fish take the lure before you actually feel it. Now, my friends love this. I just jig along in it. I kind of think it's interesting to know when there's fish down there. I hold my own. I catch quite a few fish as well. It's just not quite as game type oriented fishing as this electronic screen type fishing is, but it's still a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I do it the old school way. Ice fishing is truly one of those activities that's universally accessible to all. Fishing in the winter is always best when the ice first comes in. You know, those first two or three weeks when you got safe ice to get out there. You don't be driving snowmobiles or cars or anything out there. Three, four inches of good solid ice. You just bring a bucket, maybe a light sled. You bring your gear out, sit on the bucket, drill a hole with your hand auger because it doesn't take long at all, and catch some fish. It's also nice at the end of uh, the winter, near spring, you know, when things start to warm up and the sun's bright, the fish can see that light through the ice and... They get active again. But February, well, that's a slow time for everybody. It's still nice to be out there, though. Ice fishing is seldom uneventful, even if the fish aren't biting. I enjoy just getting out there, catching up with friends. Lily loves driving the snowmobile. Her brother, Theo, he loves taking pictures. He never runs out of things to take pictures of. 
You'd think there was nothing out there except a lot of just snow and ice, but no, he's always finding something. And my wife Anne enjoys an adventure as much as anyone, if not more. With respect to the cow, that actually turned out to be a bull. It's unfortunate that the animal met its demise. It would have been a lot worse, though, if that animal had broken through the ice. That would have been a rescue few would have tempted. Probably impossible. It did meet its fate for which it was destined, just not in the way it was supposed to happen. I thought about leaving the the cow story out of the podcast, but I don't think you, the listener, wants me to edit these podcasts so that it all seems like a, you know, Disney adventure. Outdoor adventures are just that. They're adventures, good, bad, and ugly. Things happen. How you rise to the challenge and overcome adversity is all part of the experience. You always hope for the best when you're thinking about your adventure and planning, but never forget, you want to be prepared. That means having safety gear with you, like a throw rope, like cleats for your boots, like picks that you keep in your pocket should you fall through, because the hardest thing is to get back out of the ice. It's very slippery and there's no handholds. These picks you hang on to, you stab them into the ice and you can pull yourself out like a seal. Without them, you have to wait for your mitts to freeze to the ice. And that's not something you want to be doing. Keep a whistle with you just in case you need to call for help. And some warm socks, a sweater, and a towel. You want to have all that stuff with you. And never, never, never trust the ice. You always want to be picking at it with your ice pick and drilling some holes just to make sure the ice thickness is what you want it to be. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. We're dropping new episodes every Friday, folks. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMIAudio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping on Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.